Let us do this. Hi, I'm Khalilo Reynolds, and welcome to another edition of Taking Stock Live. We're bringing you all the latest business news and telling you how it will affect you and your money. Now, don't forget to head over to my website, khalilorenolds.com slash newsletter, once this live has ended, to get my newsletter straight to your inbox twice a week. Now, here's a look at what's coming up tonight, followed by what's hot in business. So let me get that right to you right now so that we can all, of course, come on and say it with me. Say it with me. <laughs> get this money out of Spur Tree Spices net profits have nearly tripled in the first three months of this year. Did their recent IPO have anything to do with it? We'll find out from CEO Albert Bailey. And the analysts weigh in on the latest market developments. Both Seprod and iCreate's Q4 2021 results are out. How did they do? And Fosrich will ask shareholders to approve a 10 to 1 stock split as well as a rights issue or additional public offering APO. We'll discuss. But first, here's What's Hot, brought to you by Jamaica Money Market Brokers, your best interest at heart. The Bank of Jamaica will spend more than $1 billion to produce Jamaica's new banknotes. During his budget presentation in March, Minister of Finance Dr. Nigel Clark announced that the country's banknotes are being upgraded to improve its security features, accessibility, and durability. A new $2,000 note will also be introduced. In a recent statement, the BOJ did not reveal the exact cost of printing the new notes, but noted that it has spent $7 million US dollars or about $1 billion Jamaican yearly over the past three years to print banknotes. The bank said the upfront cost for the new banknotes will be higher because of the volume of notes that will be ordered to fully replace the current bills over time. It also said the material used to make the notes, their enhanced security features and new designs also drive up the price. However, the BOJ said the new bills will save the country money over time because they'll be more durable, enabling the bank to order less notes and less often in the future. Separate group of companies is expanding its presence in the Caribbean with the acquisition of Trinidad and Tobago-based A.S. Bryden & Sons Holdings. A.S. Bryden, which was founded in 1923, distributes food, pharmaceuticals, hardware, houseware, and industrial equipment. The company operates through three main subsidiaries, A.S. Bryden & Sons Trinidad, Bryden Pie Limited, and F.T. Farfan. While the cost of the acquisition has not yet been announced, Separate says the deal will see the group's combined annual revenue surpassing half a billion U.S. dollars. The combined entity will also have some 3,000 employees across its subsidiaries. Separate Group CEO Richard Pandohi will act as interim group CEO of A.S. Bryden. Vincentians with a prescription for medical cannabis can now purchase their supply from the island's first cannabis lounge. The Greenhouse Cafe, which opened last week, offers consumers a variety of cannabis options. Customers will have to present their medical cannabis ID card from the country's cannabis regulatory body before they can make purchases. The card is valid for one year in St. Vincent. The company's products range from a THC pre-roll to CDB Heal Lotion and CDB Vapes. 
Marvel's latest installment in the Doctor Strange series, Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, enjoyed a massive opening last weekend. The highly anticipated superhero movie made an estimated 185 million US dollars, the biggest opening weekend of the year so far. It's also the second biggest opening of the pandemic era and the 11th biggest of all time, movie analysts said. The film, which stars Benedict Cumberbatch, debuted in more than 4,000 theaters in North America, earning some 90 million US dollars in opening day Friday, including Thursday previews. It was the seventh biggest opening day ever, and already tops the entire opening weekend of the original Doctor Strange film in 2016. What's Heart was brought to you by Jamaica Money Market Brokers, your best interest at heart. Spurtree stock is up 300% in just three months since its IPO. And Fesca stock is up 1,000% since IPO a year ago. $10,000 invested in Fesco a year ago would be worth $100,000 today. And while these results aren't guaranteed, you need to learn how to start investing so that the next opportunity doesn't miss you. Take my Investing for Beginners Masterclass and learn the basics about stock market investing, how to decide what to invest in, and how to get started at kalilareynolds.com slash masterclass. But wait, there's more. Get my broker guide, stocks tracker, and free access to my newsletter when you subscribe today. Go to kalilareynolds.com slash masterclass. Let's get this money. This segment of Taking Stock is brought to you by Bulwark Insurance Agency. Insurance made easy. And download today. Register using your existing NCB online banking login credentials. To open an account or get more info, contact our Wealth Hub today. All right, and we are back. So first of all, let me just shout out everybody who is on early. Remember to hit the like button, guys. Give us a like there on YouTube or on Facebook, wherever you are watching us. So where are you joining us from today? Natty J says, just here waiting. Must see says, present miss, me, miss, me, miss. Carrie Love, patiently waiting. LeVar says, Mandeville checking in. Kish Lindsay says, wish I had bought Spur Tree stock in the IPO. See, hindsight is always 2020, isn't it? And Kish is also joining us all the way from London in the UK. Ostina is there in Spanish town. Hi, Ostina. How are you doing in Spanish town? Do you have water? Do you guys have water, by the way? Have you heard about the water? Well, I don't know if it's lockoffs, but NWC workers are on strike. We don't know how long it's going to last. So make sure that you stock up on your water just in case. Because if anything happens, then the workers aren't really on call to, to fix it. So make sure that you stock up on your water. Anthony Neal says, pour more in the house. That's going to make a joke but that <laughs> about ensure. <laughs> Okay, those who know, know. I shall say no more. <laughs> Keisha Bailey is checking in from Manchester and Roger is joining us from Kingston. Greetings to you, Roger. So let's get right into our discussion for today. Spur Tree Spices net profit has almost tripled in the first three months of this year compared to the same period last year. So did their IPO have anything to do with that? We're going to find out what contributed to this growth 
from CEO of Spiritry Spices, Albert Bailey. Hello, Albert. How are you doing? You're muted. Let me unmute you. You have to unmute yourself. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Um, hi, good evening. How are you? I am great. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. All right. So for those people who may be tuning in and didn't catch the whole IPO rake and didn't really get what Spiritry is all about, just give us a quick overview of, uh, of you know, what your company does. Okay, Spiritry is a wholly owned Jamaican manufacturing entity. Uh, we really started in with the production of um, seasoning and sauces, but in recent years we have, we have begun our transition from just a seasoning and sauce company to uh, we, are, we, we are well on our way to becoming a full food company. So that's in a synopsis what we are right now. All right, and tell us where your products are located. Well, our products are located in a number of countries. Our biggest market is the United States. Um, in fact, the company was set up with a vision for export. And so the U.S. remains our biggest market. And we also, also started with a big focus on food service. Uh, that is uh, the supply of um, season and sauces to restaurants. And so that is a big area for our business. We are also exporting to Canada, to the U.K., to Cayman, we export to Costa Rica, Australia, a number of country, but countries. But we also have a solid base here in Jamaica. Right. So since your company listed in January, IPO is in January, I feel like I've been seeing Spiritry all over the place, your products. I don't know if it's because I just didn't notice before and then post IPO now because there's more awareness about it. Um, now I've started to notice the products on shelves in the supermarkets. And I remember when we did that interview pre-IPO as well, you did say, as you did just now as well, that uh, a lot of your business is in the export market, is for the diaspora. But have you found that your, your local presence has increased since the IPO, since January? Well, I, I would say, um, yes. Uh, they, we, we got... Uh, some momentum coming of the, the IPO locally. Uh, so our presence has increased locally. But I, I would also like to say that we have been doing um, very good work in terms of um, our promotion and our distribution locally. I don't know what the, what the issue is with your audio, but you're chipping in and out. Like at some points I hear you very well, and then at other points I'm not hearing you very clearly. It's going up and so down. I'm going to, are you hearing me now? Yes, a bit better. And you can move a little bit to your left as well. So you come a bit okay. more to the center of the screen. Okay. A little is bit more. Better? Is that better? <laughs> Yes, and I'm hearing you much, much better as well. Okay, I, I might just have to put in my headphone. But what I was saying is that uh, we have also been doing good work, I believe, in the local market before the pandemic. Um, so the brand was well known. Um, we were operating in significantly in a number of supermarkets, all of the major supermarkets locally. Uh, we also had what we call a van sales program that is um, 
doing business in the down trade. So, you know, our business, the, the, the brand was well known, but obviously we got a push from the, the IPO. Mm. All right. So one of the things that has happened in the past year and even before your IPO as well, we've had significant uh, supply chain issues. So how has your company actually weathered that storm? Because like you mentioned, you are an exporter at your core. OK, so, you know, this the, the supply chain issue is not new and it has been with us for a little while. So we have really planned um, in terms of our response to this. We, we have been, you know, we're way ahead. Of, let, let me just say we're probably way ahead of the, the challenges because about four years ago, we decided that in order to grow our business significantly, we had to invest in, in stocks of raw material, both from the processing side. Um, so we'll buy uh, raw material process and hold and we did that also on the, the bottles, um, for the bottles, which is the major item that we import. So most of our other products, uh, our inputs are purchased local bottles. So we, we have, we have 15,000 square foot of space that we are using primarily for storage. So I would say in terms of our business planning, we were kind of ahead of, of the challenges. Um, so uh, we haven't had, had that significant impact in terms of being out of stock or anything like that. Well, that's great. And, and perhaps that's what led to you having these, uh, this high level of profits in Q1. So let's get into your results. Net profit for Q1 2022 was $50.8 million. That's Jamaican dollars, of course. I wish it was US, right? Compared oh, yes. to, <laughs> to Q1 2021, which was $17.3 million. So you've almost tripled your net profit. What contributed to that? I, I would say, Kalila, if you look at the numbers in 2021 and even before that you would have seen where the company was showing significant growth in terms of its top line numbers and the what was flowing to the bottom line so i think it's a continuation of what excited the market about this company uh, uh, and the, the work that we we'll con we continue to do especially in the export market our export continue. If you notice, um, our overall sales was up by just about forty percent. And the good thing is that um, our export was significantly up during this period to almost forty percent, and our local sales was up by fifty-two percent. So, we 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 believe that you know we the work that we have done. The, the love for the brand, um, we have excellent products and our customers tell us that every single day. And, you know, as people become more aware of the company and we continue to present our products and our offering, offerings to them, I think you'll, con you'll continue to see this kind of uh, momentum going forward. So you also made an acquisition during this period. It was the Aki company. I'm trying to remember the name of the company. You can refresh my exactly. memory. Exotic, exotic yes, yes. So tell me how that played into these results and how it's been uh, managing that, uh, taking over that company. Well, as, as we discussed when I was on your program the last time, that 
was a very strategic move for us. We have been working with that company uh, for a number of years with the goal of purchasing it and bringing it under the, the control of Spiritree Spices. Uh, a critical element of our product mix going forward is Aki, uh, especially in the markets that we operate. Um, it is highly demanded and um, undersupplied. So exotic products and um, the ability to get Aki through exotic product under the Spiritree brand was critical in in um, the results that we post, and it will be critical moving forward also. So as I said, that is a strategic um, investment. And right now we are doing significant expansion to that in that company. Um, as far as uh, the production, as far as production is concerned. So Aki is going to be central to our, our strategy moving forward. Now, let me start taking a few questions from the audience. The first comes from Philip. Philip wants to know, how will the relationship with GK be leveraged to expand your international distribution? Well, our relationship with GK is primarily a financing relationship. Um, so the work that we have been doing has really been, you know, our, you know, from, from our own initiative, um, we are pretty clear as, uh, um, as to the type of company that we want to build. And we have set forth our plans and our goals and objective, and we are working those plans assiduously. We are working hard um, to ensure that we meet our targets. Um, we did in the first quarter, and we are pushing ahead uh, in the second quarter. And for this year, we think we are going to be having very good results. But GK also has GK Foods. And do you see any possible opportunities there for synergies? Uh, there, there are possibilities, um, but that discussion hasn't taken place. <laughs> right? so I'm not going to expand on that further, but there are possibilities. Mm. I know, as you know, GK, GK um, bought additional shares in Spiritry recently. Right. Um, Right, so they are one of the larger shareholders. Um, we're, we're, we're very good friends. We talk all the time. So, you know, the door is always open. Hmm, signs of something to come, perhaps? I don't know. Well, I'll leave that to you to tell us when the time comes. The next question comes from Luchand, and he says, does Spurtree look to use, is Spurtree looking to use renewable energy for your energy consumption to maximize on profit income? That's a very good question, and that's something that we we have looked into. And in terms of our current operation, we are trying to implement um, energy efficiency and efficiency in all areas of our business. The, the fact of the matter right now is that we are in a rented property, the, the factory at Marcos Garvey. That's a rented property from FCJ, so there is limitation as far as um, significant investment in renewable energy. But we have already looked at the plant at Exotic. We have a quotation that we are examining. Um, that's a plant in St. Thomas uh, to look at how we can um, you know, improve the energy efficiency in that, that plant. All right, next question comes from 
Lanesra, does Spartree ever consider producing their own bottles or buying into a bottle making company? Another very good question. So I see your um, listeners are very on point in terms of their question. Uh, that's definitely something that we will explore. Um, in fact, we're having some discussions about that recently internally. Uh, they have not materialized in, in terms of any significant steps as yet, but that's definitely something that I think that we have to look at, um, especially as we expand and as you know, the challenges that we are experiencing on the supply side as they persist, we have to look at every area of our business that we can grow efficiency. So that's a very good question. That's a discussion that we're having right now. So what key projects did you uh, use with for the IPO funds? What key projects did you invest in? Okay, so as, I, as we promised in the IPO, our big push um, will be Aki. That's, that's the first and primary focus that we want to do. So we have actually started the expansion of the factory in at Exotic to double capacity there. We have also bid on a secondary location that will support uh, Exotic in terms of supply. And we have won that bid and we are in the process of um, completing that transaction. Uh, but also at Spiritry Spices, we are upgrading uh, the, the capacity in terms of our infrastructure, uh, our production infrastructure, our kettles. We have brought in a lot of bigger size kettles, you know, just to grow efficiencies. And we're, we're doing the installation of that right now. So, so uh, we have made a lot of significant investment. But as I said, the big focus will be on the core is to grow Aki. The other thing that we have started working on is the, the procurement or the sec are securing additional lines to come under the Spiritry uh, brand. Um, we will make announcements about that as time progresses. But as I said, we are trans transitioning from a seasoning and spices company to um, a full-blown food provider. So that is something that we are very excited about. The opportunities is opportunities are there and our customers are asking for this and we are just you know we're just excited about the prospects are you officially debt free now absolutely love to hear it love to hear it let me take some more comments or questions from the audience so this one comes from danny who wants to know how will the 200 million dollar cash be used in the future so some of what you were just talking about to fuel organic growth or more acquisitions so, so the ex that's a good question again. Um, so the expansion that I just spoke of, uh, so we have, we have made some investment in that, but most of the, the, this spend is not yet completed. So you're gonna see more cash going into that. But we're also looking at uh, the possibility of other acquisitions. That's something that we, the board is very keen on um, as an era of growth. So we're looking at, you know, businesses that have synergies with what we are trying to do. And um, as, as we make those moves, we will obviously inform the market. 
In a similar line that you are, so in also in the food industry, if you were to do another acquisition, yeah. would it also be something along the lines of the Aki or Kalalur, some type of Jamaican in, food? In the food industry, but also um, similar to, to what you mentioned earlier in terms of on the input side also to ensure that we secure our, our, our raw materials. Right. Okay. So like what we were talking about with the bottling plant, what exactly. somebody had asked about. All right. The next question comes from Mark and he wants to know, will spur tree products hit other markets overseas beyond the usual overseas markets? So I'm guessing he means beyond the typical United States, UK, any other markets, maybe the Caribbean, okay, so, Africa. Right. So one of the things I will say is that we are always looking to expand into other markets. And right now we are just having some discussion about expansion in the Caribbean uh, because we are not in as many Caribbean countries as we would like. We're in Cayman. Uh, but, and in fact, our sales to Cayman has doubled in this quarter, right? So we see there's an opportunity there to expand in, 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 the, in the Caribbean. But I like to say to Mark, one, one, the, the market in the US in terms of where we are now, which is our primary market, we are just, we are not covering significant areas in the US. And I think that is still our best growth market right now. We're having discussions also to expand our reach in Canada and in some other areas and in UK. So the existing markets also remain very critical and important to us. And given that we have a we are already in these markets and the opportunities there to expand. I think um, it would be wise for us to you know, give a lot of focus to um, that area. Where are you primarily in the US now? I'm guessing the usual New York, Florida. Yes, so we are we are in we are in New York, New Jersey, Philadelphia. We go down to Maryland, Washington. Uh, we, our products are in Atlanta. Atlanta, Florida, Chicago, you know, so, but we're, we're, we're in many places, but the, the Eastern seaboard is really where the concentration is. So while our products are reaching many other states, uh, what it is important now is that we establish significant distribution arrangement in those states because people are bringing down pallets, et cetera, from New York, um, which we are our central distributor is our largest distributor, I should say, because we have a number of distributors in in, in, in the US. They're bringing products from New York or up from from Florida uh, to these other states. But we are now in discussion to try and establish this distribution arrangement in some of these states. Next question comes from Roger. So you guys are on fire with the questions in the comments, by the way. You guys are preempting all of my questions. So this one is about dividends. And Roger says, massive profits for Spur Tree. Any consideration for dividend payouts in the coming months? I would say that give us a little time. Give us a little time to complete our investments and to look at the opportunities for reinvestment. And, um, you know, down the road, we'll talk about dividend. We, we did put in our prospectus that we'll have a, re a relatively aggressive dividend policy. So, yes, we are mindful of that, but we want to ensure that we capitalize on the opportunities and continue to grow profits and, um, you know, find a balance between that and the payout of dividends. 
Right. So just just a little bit of patience, investors. Bertrand yeah. is still in its growth phase. It's still a junior market company. It still needs to reinvest those profits for uh, for growth for the company. Yes. I'm yes. going to take a couple more comments from the viewers. Roger Roberts says. Rogers. Oh, that was the one we just read. Okay, this one comes from Jason then. Does the company grow its own peppers? And if not, where do you get peppers from? Asking as I'm a stockholder and looking to go more into growing pepper. Okay, so we work very closely. We don't grow our own pepper right now. We have never really done that because we, we have some very good... Uh, ...shareholders in the company that we have worked with over the years. And one of the things that Spurtry Spices is known for in the market is that we are there for farmers. Like right now, you have, I think, an abundance of Scott Ronnie pepper on the market. Uh, and what I spoke to earlier about us building out capacity to store, to buy, to process, and to store, uh, we have, because of that, we have um, been able to help a lot of farmers. So right now we're taking a lot of paper from farmers who probably would not have anywhere to place their paper otherwise. So, you know, we like the, the synergy that we have with farmers and, you know, that we are able to help, help them in terms of their own business. So we we're, we're not right now into backward integration, but I'll also I mention an important development uh, regarding Aki is that we have started an Aki Archer um, and I, we, had, we had spoken about that uh, up in St. Thomas, close to the factory. So we have planted over, uh, we're in the process of planting over a thousand um, trees right now. So that process is going well. So that, that's, that's an area of farming that we're definitely getting into. So here's a follow-up question to the question about whether you plan to enter new markets. Marcus wants to know if you're planning to target the Spanish-speaking market. Eventually, Spurtree will look at, you know, well, in fact, the Spanish-speaking market, um, we are, we're actually in Costa Rica right now, right? Um, but eventually, look to expand both in the Spanish-speaking markets and even to, in Africa and other places. But as I said, right now, there are some low-hanging fruits that we must focus on in terms of in our existing market. We believe that the growth opportunity there is greatest right now. And once we um, cover those areas, then we'll look at expanding into other areas. I tell you, there's so many questions coming in. I'm here trying to, to wrap up the interview and there's so many questions coming from our viewers. I'm gonna take one last question. There are quite a few good ones as well. Uh, this one comes from, where is it? Which one was I gonna take? Uh, Steve, yes. Question comes from Steve McCalla. Do you foresee any challenges with supplies locally with your volumes growing, the demand for with your volumes growing, the demand for local inputs will increase? Right. So as I said, we have had to be very careful in terms of our whole business planning exercise. And we are holding far more stock than we normally do because uh, we we want to ensure that we are always supplying on time, right? So that's an area that, you know, we have brought on additional resources and in terms of personnel, and we are very, very keen. We are working very 
assiduously with our suppliers to ensure that you know we're planning way ahead and that you know we're trying our best to overcome any potential challenge there. Thanks again, Albert. I'm going to leave you guys with actually a comment. And this comment comes from, who is it? From Eat, Play, Grow. Eat, Play, Grow says, I can't believe I missed out on this on the first round, but great job. I love to see Jamaican businesses boom. And so do I. And we love it when Thank we you. can participate in your boom by being investors in your company. Thank, Thank you, you Khalil. And I want to say thanks to all our shareholders. We had have almost 5,000 shareholders. And I, I know that you're going out and you're supporting the products, um, the company by buying the products and just continue to do that. And we'll continue on this side to work as hard as possible to ensure that you have a great return on your investment. Absolutely. Thank you so much again. We will be monitoring to see when those dividend payments do come and we also be monitoring to, to continue seeing the performance and we wish you much success thank you again albert thank you for having me all right so to our viewers and there are a lot of you tonight and you have a lot of questions thank you so much for your participation take our poll so answer our poll question it is in the community section of my youtube channel if you're using a mobile device you're probably going to see it on your feed and this week's poll question has to do with gas prices oh my goodness those gas prices are depending on where you buy gas well above 200 dollars a liter right now and a fare is heading towards the 300 can we manage $300 a liter gas? Might have to park the vehicle and walk or take the bus or public transportation. I don't know because public transportation isn't even that great, but we're gonna have to figure out some ways to do it. So how are you coping with rising gas prices right now? Are you carpooling, taking the bus, traveling less, unaffected because you don't drive or other? Leave a comment, take our poll in the community section of the YouTube channel. Up next, we've got your market recap and the analysts are standing by. Taking stock was brought to you by Bulwark Insurance Agency. Insurance made easy and... Download today. Register using your existing NCB online banking login credentials. To open an account or get more info, contact our Wealth Hub today. Time now for your market recap. The JC Combined Index edged up by 626 points or just 0.1%. 118 stocks traded across the main and junior markets for the week ending Friday, May 6, 2022. 56 advanced, 58 declined, and 4 stayed the same. 151 million shares changed hands on the Jamaican dollar market, valued at $1.5 billion. Fesco was the most traded stock, taking up nearly 20% of market volume, with people buying and selling nearly 30 million shares in the company. The stock opened this week at $7.20. Wigton Wind Farm Ordinary Shares traded at the second highest volume. People bought and sold nearly 10 million shares in the company. The stock's price lost two cents to open the new week at 64 cents. And a Trans-Jamaican Highway rounded out the most traded, taking up 6% of market volume with 9 million shares trading. The stock's price rose three cents to open this week at $1.64. Now let's see who had the biggest gains for the week. 
138 student living Jamaica variable preference stock jumped nearly 34% to open the new week at $16.51. JMMB Group 7.25% rose 32% to end last week at $3.84. And Access Financial Services is up 22% to open this new week at $25.11. On the losing side now, Margaritaville Turks was last week's biggest loser, down nearly 18% to open Monday at $21. Consolidated Bakers Jamaica was the second biggest loser, down nearly 12%, to close last week at $1.23. And First Rock Capital Holdings USD was down 11% to close last week at $0.07 cents US. This segment of Taking Stock, The Analysts, is brought to you by Proven Wealth and Ideal Securities Brokers Limited. Welcome back. Welcome back. Time now for the analyst. Let me take some of your comments before we continue, though. So Jason says, I work from home, so I only leave to stock up on food and church. <laughs> Say work from home. That should have been an option in the poll. Are you working from home more so, you, so that you reduce your commute? And Natoya says, gas is $259 in Ochi. How are you dealing with that, Natoya? My God. And I know that end, like Discovery Bay, Runaway Bay, that side, probably some of the highest gas prices, if not the highest gas prices in the country. So if I'm traveling that side, I make sure that I fill up before, you know, you go that direction. Uh, Stronglink wants to know what happened to Sephora. They were actually, we were hoping to have them on the show this week, but we couldn't get them, uh, had a last minute change, but this was a good discussion with Spurtree anyway. So let us introduce our analyst panel for this evening. I'm joined by Wealth Manager at Ideal Securities Brokers Company, Auric Angus, and Assistant Manager of Private Equity at Proven Management, Julian Marson. Welcome, gentlemen. Good evening, Kalila. Yes, it's great to have you on as usual. So let us get into this evening's uh, analysis. So (laughs) I don't know how many of you saw my my IG and TikTok today. (laughs) It was a a good one. It was about, I pretended to be Lil Wayne on there. I was like, I create made the list. So I create Q4 2021 results are out. They're audited financial statements for the final quarter of 2021. And they are posting some very good profits. So give us the, the breakdown, Auric. What are we seeing with I create? Uh, well, I create for, for actually our very Q1 for 2022. Um, but what I'm seeing here is the revenue and profit margins are all up significantly. Um, it's very impressive in my opinion. It's a good start um, for the new for the new, the new year for them. Um, I think as a as a startup company, they're in line with the usual two to three standard year turnaround for companies to recognize um, profits. Um, so I think it's good. I just hope that it remains consistent and sustainable for the quarters to come. Um, so essentially what we're seeing is that revenues are up by 46.3 million, which is 451.1% um, in comparison to last period when those revenue margins, those revenue amount was about $88.4 million. 
in regards to their profits, um, the company turned a profit of around $10.1 million. Again, that's up 428.7% for that period again. So um, the company is really intentionally trying to strategically grow both top and bottom line. As you can see, these numbers are really aggressive. Um, they are cutting expenses as well, um, which is good um, throughout the pandemic. That's what they've been trying to do. The balance sheet is much more solid um, at this point, and it, it creates opportunity for them to access further capital, um, whether through the bank or the financial system or through the capital markets. As you can see, they announced the intention of a proposed rights issue um, um, that they, they'll vote on for the next board meeting. So they're setting up themselves fundamentally um, to, to, to access further capital, to grow the business. Uh, we see those two acquisitions um, previously, still no dollar value on them yet, but I think if they're on the right path, um, the risk, the risk, as 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 worth the reward um, based on the numbers that I'm currently seeing now. So I think it's really impressive and I really hope that it remains consistent going forward. You know, Julian, the last time you were here, you made a comment about iCreate saying that, yes, the statements are, are nice and not financial statements, meaning the public statements that they've done this and they've done that and right. you know, what they had planned. And he said, yes, it's nice to hear these things, but you want to see the actual numbers. Well, the numbers are here. What do you say now? Well, let's be clear. I really have nothing against iCreate. You know, no, so, I didn't. I wasn't implying yeah. that at all. All right. So it's 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 a good turnaround. Uh, as as Oric mentioned, it's impressive. And it's actually something meaningful because it's very important for us to have Jamaican success stories. What it does is that it creates a a positive domino effect in the market because confidence is what drives markets. So when a young founder can come to the market, raise capital, turn things around when things are difficult, it's good for confidence, both at the market level and at the level of um, entrepreneurship, etc. because it will open the door for more young founders to come. Now, in terms of the results, um, again, now we have data, we can speak more concretely we can speak more definitively to say that the company's um, direction is changing. It's still early. The company is morphing rapidly, and that is a benefit of investing in a company so early in its lifespan. So right now, investors are taking what is called venture capital risk. When companies are this young, we basically are venture capitalists. Mm -hmm. So we're betting on the strength of the CEO and their ability to execute their vision. And essentially, this is the type of return they can look at for venture capital um, endeavors or pursuits. So just to put it into context, it's good, but investors need to understand that it's still a venture capital pursuit. This is not a blue chip. So it's just to put it into context in terms of risk and reward and what to expect going forward. Right, still that's very right. early stage with iCreate. And but just to top that off, that's, that's why I suggest, uh, we, 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 that's why I stress the term consistency. That's what we want to see as analysts. So this is a one-off results. We'd like to see consistency going forward in terms of the sustainability of the revenue and profit margins. 
So where are their new, where is their revenue coming from now? Because we know that since the pandemic, they have discontinued a lot of the classes, which was the core of iCreate, was teaching, uh, providing education to people in the creative industry. But they have had to pivot and offer different services and looking at different directions. So based on the numbers, where is the bulk of their revenue coming from now? Either of you can take oh. that. Okay, so, for, oh, go ahead, Eric. Yeah, can go ahead. Yes, so the business essentially is not rely. All right, so you have two different types of businesses. There are businesses that are B2C, meaning that the business focuses mostly on clients that are consumers. Then there are B2B businesses that have other businesses as their clients. So what iCreator has done is to diversify the revenue base from shifting primarily from a B2C model to a B2B model, right? So now they have more corporate clients as their, their, their um, customers, and that has helped them to change their revenue profile according to the management discussion and analysis. And that will help to propel their, their model going forward because when they... When the customer base is is um is diversified, it helps to propel the business and it helps to make the growth trajectory more stable. Right, I, I recall that that is the direction that Edgefocal is also heading in, getting more of the the B two B customer base. Right, All right. revenues came in today, but let's let's focus on create for right now. You know. Oh, we have to discuss that next week. I haven't looked at that one yet. All right. So yeah. next up, we have Fosrich Company. So there's quite a bit of news with Fosrich, and and our viewers asked us to talk about Fosrich last week. So here we are. They are going to seek permission from shareholders to do a 10 to 1 stock split in June. They're going to have that meeting and ask shareholders for that permission. And they also want to do either a rights issue or an APO. So, Auric, what's up with Fosrich? Um, yeah, so they, they, they have a, bit of, a few things on the table. First being the, the stock split. Um, it's proposed to be 10 to 1, um, which simply means you can multiply your shares by 10, divide the, the stock price by 10. So at a close price, at I think around $33 today, that will bring down the stock price to about $3.30 based on a 10 to 1 stock switch. But essentially what they're trying to do is to decide whether they're going to offer shares in a right issue or, or APO. But I think the stock split should come before or will come before just to make it more appealing to retail investors um, in terms of from relative from a pricing perspective. Now, in regards to a rights issue, it's really um, targeting existing shareholders, which offer them the right, but not really the obligation um, to purchase shares at a discount price usually. Um, the onus is usually on the shareholder to either exercise their right to purchase those shares at a discount or pass on the right to someone else or it's a, it's a case where if the existing shareholders doesn't utilize all of those rights then it goes to the general public um, and in regards to APO seeking additional capital again that so both strategies seek to raise um, capital for the company both of them involves 
dilution of shared ownership, um, depending on the amount of shares that they proposed to issue. I believe it was around 126 million, million units um, that's been proposed. I read an article that David, our very own David wrote. Um, we'd really like to get more details on that in terms of that 126 million units, if it's factoring the split already, because if it's if it is that it's factoring the 10 to 1 split, then that would work out to about 12.6 million units. If not, then um, it would work out to about um, 1.2 billion or so. So um, just that little gap to clear up, but overall, that's the that's the game plan for for Fosswich. Um, the company has very good very good growth potential. So the need for additional capital is is viable at the moment. Um, so let's see what what the decision will work will turn out to be. And I think it will be favorable. I think it will they will they will conclude to raise additional capital. It's just a matter of which method that the company will choose to to, to venture into right. to get those additional monies. Right. Is stock is Fastrich one of those companies that doesn't trade much? Why they might want to do a stock split, or you think the stock split is, as you kind of were alluding to, simply to to make it more attractive for the rights issuer EPO? I mean, it does trade. Um, maybe the volume is not as healthy. Um, so by by freeing up. Are, are diluting more units, it frees up um, the supply um, to at least level up some of the demand to allow shareholders to access more volumes um, in, in the market. And Natoya wants to know, so one of you can, uh, Julian, you can explain this really quickly for her. She wants to know, can someone please explain what is a rights issue? So a rights issue is a secondary offer. So it is a offer done by a company that is already listed. And what's special about a rights issue is that it is an issuance of new shares from a company that's already listed, but it's specifically reserved for shareholders that already have the stock, people who are already in the stock, right? That's what the issue is for. So it's basically a share offer for persons who already hold the shares, and there are different types of right issues. There are rights issues that are renounceable, and then there are rights issues that are non-renounceable. So renounceable rights issues are, so, um, are stipulated. They have a feature that allows shareholders to essentially pass their right to participate in the offer to somebody else. So if Oric and I hold the stock, right, meaning that we are entitled to participate in the share offer, and I don't want to participate in the share offer, I can give my right to Oric, so he can get the shares that would have been offered to me. And then the difference between that and an APO is simply that the APO is not limited to shareholders, right? right. So everybody right. can participate in an APO, right. but it's the same concept that the company is offering, is creating new shares in itself for one, and then making those available for sale. Yeah, right. so the key difference is that the right issue more target existing shareholders, right. the APO is a general public. Right, right. Yeah. So any thoughts on, on Fosterich before we move on, Julian? Well, I just think that Fosterich is led by a visionary CEO, in my opinion. When we look at the, the trajectory of growth of the company and the decisions that are being made, it shows that the leader is very disciplined because 
we have seen diversification in terms of product offering. We've seen diversification in terms of strategy. So it's not just a situation where Fosrich trades, so they buy products to sell at a higher price. They're actually manufacturing now, so that's diversified. They have B2B and B2C customers, so that's diversification again. They're going outside of Jamaica, right? They're expanding their balance sheet, meaning that they're making their balance sheet bigger so they can take on bigger projects because that's what it really means to raise equity capital when we're going into um, a new round of raising capital. The company is going to be larger. So it shows that the company is in growth mode, and I think the wind is at their back, meaning that their trajectory is strong. The economic environment is still supportive of them because we're in a building boom, and that will essentially drive demand for a lot of their products. You're talking about lighting fixtures. You're talking about um, products that need to be put into buildings. You're talking about their partnership with JPS. You're talking about PVC pipes. All of these things feed into the construction um, construction ecosystem. And as we know, Jamaica is going through a building boom and an infrastructure boom. So those things are, are beneficial to Fosswich. And for that person who wanted to hear about Seprod early, you are in luck because Seprod has dropped its interim 2021 results and Julian has been combing through them. So Julian, what are the highlights? What's up with Seprod? Okay, so I'm going to share my screen. All right, can you see my screen? Yes, we can. Remember to zoom in. Yes. All right. So let's talk a little bit about separate for those who might not be familiar. All right. So in terms of the portfolio highlights, the, the, the things that basically um, allows separate to stand out in the marketplace, I want to talk a little bit about the companies that they own because it's a conglomerate and it's basically a manufacturing and distribution company of food and beverages and some pharmaceutical products, but essentially they have products that are staples, things that people consume on a daily basis. They essentially classify these products as needs or necessities or close to that. So we're talking about Surge Island Dairies. Um, that's a company that's in manufacturing. So that company produces Monster Milk, Surge Full Cream, Cow's Milk. We're talking about Surge Peanut Punch and other products under that brand. Then there's Surge Island Farms. So the farm itself actually produces the cow's milk in St. Thomas, and that is a raw material for Surge Island dairies, which we just discussed. So they have that they have that entire value chain under their control, which helps them to earn attractive um, profit margins. So then we move to International Biscuits. So this would be the Butter Kids brands, the Snackables brands, and other snacks. And again, that's another manufacturing business. Then there's Caribbean Products Limited. And that captures the chiffon margarine brands, Uncle Sam's vegetable oil, and other edible oils. So we're talking about um, margarine butter and cooking oil. And that's manufacturing again. Now we'll move on to Jamaica grain and cereals. That would be the gold seal counter flour, Eve purple, all purpose flour, the Eve pasta products, etc. And that's manufacturing. Then we look at industrial sales limited, which includes miracle corned beef, miracle box milk products. Miracle tin sausages, etc., and that's manufacturing. And finally, and this is more recent, the company rolled face a commodity into the separate group or separate family of companies. 
and separate is mostly a distribution company um, from this angle in terms of facing commodity. So the, through the facing commodity arm, the company distributes Trojan products, um, Arm & Hammer, Johnson & Johnson, Brunswick Tinned, Tin Foods, Heinz, Kraft, Ovaltine, Planters products. So we're talking about the peanut and the cashew, right? Um, Seven Seas products, Supplegen, Nabisco, etc. So they have a wide array in their portfolio. So as we notice, the company is very diversified and they have products that are that can be used for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and that drives revenues. So now we want to look at their segments. In terms of manufacturing and distribution, um, essentially there is a reasonable balance between them. Re um, distribution contributes more revenues to the group, followed by manufacturing. But in terms of year-over-year -year performance, distribution saw more growth than manufacturing. Manufacturing was down 18% year-over-year in terms of revenues while distribution was up year over year. Um, overall, the group did 16% growth in terms of revenues. Um, in terms of the results now, we're talking about profitability. Distribution had a greater share of the profit followed by manufacturing. And in terms of growth, um, distribution didn't see much growth in profitability, right? But they still did better on, um, compared to the manufacturing side. So pretty much that move to roll face a commodity into um, separate group um, worked out beneficially because even though both segments were challenged during the pandemic um, for various reasons, and of course, the fire to lesser extent, to a lesser extent, the company, because of its diverse um, revenue lines and business lines, they still were able to boast a decent performance for the period. Um, what do I mean? So in terms of margins, the margins are comparable. Both of them are in the 5% range and overall in the group, margins are clocking about 7%. So that's good, right? In terms of this product line. Now, essentially we want to look at margins again here. Um, gross profit margins have been declining because of the supply chain challenges for the business. But what separate has done to counteract this, they have done very, Agile inventory management. They've been stocking up on inventory so that they can forward buy and manage their pricing and be able to continue to off, um, offer their products at a reasonable price and in reasonable volumes, which is critical when you have a supply chain issue. In terms of operating efficiency, the company has been consistent despite all the challenges, right? They've stayed in the 20% range. They're actually at 20%. So you want your operating efficiency to be low because that means that your operating costs will be low relative to your revenues. So again, separate showing agility despite the challenges. Here we saw where net profit margins have actually um, slipped. Even though their operating efficiency has marginally improved um, because of the issues with gross profits. So because they're paying more for their um, raw materials due to the, the supply chain challenges, it has continued downward to the bottom line. So despite the challenges, we can give separate some credit in terms of how they've been managing their expenses and how they've been able to keep growth in terms of sales as best as possible. They have a strong distribution network. As I mentioned, they have strong brands that they sell and they sell staples. So even though we're, on, we're looking at a recession on the horizon, um, given that they sell necessities, they still should be able to have robust sales. Now, we saw that... Um, the economic environment 
is supportive of separate within the context of even looking overseas. So recently, the company has announced that they are uh, making an acquisition of a Trinidadian firm, and that should essentially lift their revenue profile and their profitability significantly. Yeah, so I was planning to ask mm. you about that. How big a deal is this acquisition of Brydens based in Trinidad and Tobago? Okay, so essentially, um, the report that was released, it essentially speaks to their revenue expectations. So the combined revenues are expected to generate US 500 million um, going forward. So that's separate group with um, the Trinidadian company combined. And for context, the revenues for financial year 2021 clocked 283 million US. So they're going to go from 283 million US for the year to five, above 500 million US for the year um, going forward. So essentially, that is a major push in terms of growth. And that will, that will essentially change the profile of separate. Um, so pretty much, they've done well. I think looking overseas is the key because separate has arrested a great amount of market share in Jamaica. Um, they sell major brands. They, most households in Jamaica have at least one separate product in it, and they have a wide array of offerings. So essentially, looking overseas would help them to improve their profitability and, of course, their growth, growth prospects, because that's a similar formula that um, Spiritry deploy. You're talking about looking at the world, and you're talking about looking at markets that have greater wallet share, markets that have greater GDP per capita, greater spending power, so essentially, you can turn over products faster and earn foreign exchange and essentially change the profile of the business, especially when you already dominate a fairly small country like Jamaica. So the company has been expanding their capacity. And overall, we can say that the, the, the company is well positioned for growth in terms of how it's being managed and it's growing both organically and inorganically. Now, in terms of the stock, um, the stock is essentially tracking 25 times in terms of the PE, right? Um, and in terms of its growth trajectory, the company has grown 12.7% year to date. The company is 16.6% above the 200 day moving average. And it's only up marginally year over year. So it's up just below 3% year over year. However, it's down 9.4% from the 52 week high. Um, today, it closed at $73. Again, that's a PE multiple of 25 times. The pairs, they're in the 20 range. I included Jamaica Boilers in the in the um, the pair comparison. That's what brought it to 14 for the pair average. But the three-year average for the stock in terms of the PE, which is the, the, the valuation, it's 19.6 times, right? So the company is not 25 times. It has an average of 19.6. So it's trading a bit rich but it might still have more room to run. Um, it's up significantly year to date, but it's slightly below the 52 week high. The trajectory is very good. So investors who want to essentially um, be patient and look towards the future, they can see some momentum from this stock. I mean, it might not double or triple like others, but most of the indicators show that there is some upside. If we factor in where the company can be a year and a year and a half from now, um, I see the price point being comfortably in the 80 range um, because of the earnings that should come from the, the, the acquisition. 
and considering a dividend yield of 1.4%, the total return should be just shy of 12%, um, factoring all of this. And this is being conservative, of course, because when those numbers start to come in, investors will respond to that. Mm -hmm. I'm absolutely sure of it as well. So we'll keep watching Steprod and hopefully we can have them on next week or at another time so that we can discuss further. Thank you oh, so much. Yeah. One more thing, Kalila. Sorry about this. So the current CEO of Separate, which is Richard Pandohi, he's going to be the interim CEO of the company that they're just acquiring. I saw that, yeah. And that is a synergy driver because if Pandohi has an inside understanding of Separate and an intimate understanding of this new company, it will help the company to essentially be more efficient, take the best of both entities, merge them, get rid of what they don't need, and essentially push that momentum further. So that's a very important development. Mm -hmm. Give it a, a few quarters when we start seeing the impact of this acquisition and, and how yeah. shareholders react. And just a reminder to our viewers that nothing said in this show or in this segment is investment advice. Yes, Auric and Julian are great and they are financial advisors, but they're not your financial advisors unless you make them so give them a call and and i'm sure they could hook that up for you there at ideal mm -hmm. and at proven uh okay what we're going to do now we're going to take a very quick break and come back i'm going to take your final comments and also tell you what is coming up on the channel and on the platforms this week to the analysts was brought to you by Proven Wealth and Ideal Securities Brokers Limited. Hey, moneymakers, you're not an official part of the family until you have your merch. Visit kalilorenolds.com store to order your t-shirt and your mask today. Let's get this money. All right, so let's take some of your comments, the final ones. Len wants to know any more IPOs coming out. There's always something popping somewhere. Something is cooking, but I don't know what is coming out next. I've been keeping my ear to the ground. And of course, as soon as I know, you will know. Make sure you're subscribed to the newsletter at kalilamanos.com slash newsletter. You will get that breaking money news. As soon as a new IPO drops, you will be the first to know. Clinton says he wants to hear more about NCB. We should do something on NCB. We haven't talked about NCB in a long time. A giant of a company, and there's always something going on with NCB. So I'll make that down. I'll, I'll make a note of that, and we should you know, try to incorporate NCB in our upcoming content. Jason McKenzie says there's talks about a recession coming. You also heard Julian mention it as well, that there, a recession is expected. Would love to get a video on how to recession investments. Great idea. Thanks for that idea, Jason. We will be doing something on that. And it's also a discussion that we need to have with the analysts very soon because there is a lot of talk about recession coming and we are watching the signs. And then Gregory... Gregory wants to know what's happening with CPJ. I realized their surge was short-lived and it's regressing. Do you think the stock price was overinflated a few months ago? That is not for me to comment on. That's something I should have asked the analyst just now or another time when we talk about CPJ. But what have been your observations about it? It did give very good returns last year. Number one on the stock exchange last year. I haven't really been following up on that particular stock. 
this year, but I guess something for you to, to keep your eye on. And then Philip says the JSE hot bud turnarounds, takeovers, rights issues, IPOs, best exchange in the world. Definitely for such a small country and a relatively small exchange, there is always something happening on the JSE. So that is our show for this week. Thanks for watching. Make sure you like this video, subscribe to the channel. So if you haven't liked yet, please hit the like button, subscribe to the channel, Although I'm sure all of you who are watching right now are subscribed, but if not, then do so and also share it with a friend. You can subscribe to our newsletter at kalilareynolds.com slash newsletter, reminding you that new email subscribers get a copy of my broker guide and new email subscribers also have a new gift as well which is a document outlining the six easiest bank accounts to open in Jamaica. So we have a comparison of all of them. These are the, the column, the KYC accounts, the ones that's supposed to be easy to open. What are the restrictions? What are the limitations? What are the requirements? All that info is in there. And we're also working on a comparison of all the credit cards. So my team has been calling around to the financial institutions asking about their credit cards, what are the rates, what are the fees, what are the benefits, what are the rewards. We're working on that document and you will get it once you're subscribed to the newsletter. Once again, go to kalilareynolds.com slash newsletter and also turn on those post notifications across all social media so that you can be the first to see all of my other features. And let me just send this alert out as well. I posted it on my IG today. But we have been plagued by scam accounts. Here on YouTube as well, we have people who would reply in the comments with a pic with my picture, but it's not me saying something about some crypto something or telling people to, to DM them or email them or WhatsApp is another popular one and saying that, you know, you should send them money so that they can invest on your behalf. I will never send out any message like that. All right, just double check. If you see a message that looks suspicious, click the channel, click the page, and you will it will be immediately obvious that that is not me. So please, guys, don't fall for these scams. Scam alert, when you see them, please report them, please block them. We wanna help people learn more about money so we can all get this money together, real money, not scam. Now this week on Money Moves JA, it's a throwback episode all the way from 2019, one of my very first episodes. This was like episode nine or 10 on how to get your products export ready. And then later this week, tune in to learn more about Scotiabank's new investment and insurance product, Scotia Elevate. That is, that's a really interesting and unique product that they have there. So follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Kalila Ray and follow at TakingStockJA on Instagram. If you want to connect with the analysts this week, check the description box below for their contact information. And also visit our website, kalilareynolds.com, for financial information you can use however you like it. Watch, listen, or read. Now tell a friend about taking stock because investing is what? It's the new sexy. So let's make it cool to talk about money. I'm Kalila Reynolds. See you next time. Let's get this money. <laughs> <laughs>